Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I am a Christian. Are you still a Christian? I am still a Christian. Are you still a Buddhist? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Good. Yeah, that's a check, right? We've been doing this for for 40-odd episodes. You know, I just wanted to see if anything had changed. No. I've, well, since the last time that we've spoken... No, we haven't. No. Scratch that. No? I've wrecked the intro. Oh, no. You, you, I, well, that hasn't changed. <laughs> Jacob ruining intros has not changed, everybody. <laughs> well, that's good. Some things stay the same. Some things do. Um, one thing that does change is um, the the general public identity of some musicians. This is true. The artist formerly known as Prince springs immediately to mind. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and so does the artist who we are talking about today. We have another another episode of our uh, what we are calling our Divine Music uh, set of episodes where no we, one complained about the last one, and so yeah, we're, we're back, we're back uh, with a song that hopefully has a few more layers in it. Um, but yes, we we are doing uh, so one of my favorite artists. To be honest with you, I absolutely love this artist. Um, this is uh, Yusuf slash Cat Stevens. It is. It is. Yes. Um, so um, I, I, I will probably refer to him either as Yusuf or Cat Stevens throughout the course of this podcast. I'm not going to put the slash in every time I, I say his name. Um, I, I, I get the impression he, he doesn't care too much in, anymore. Anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a time where he cared and and he's moved on. Yes. From exactly. That. Yeah. Um, but yes. So what song are we listening to today from? Um, from, from Yusuf. I personally, I would like to listen to the entirety of Tea for the Tiller Man, but um, in the absence of that, what song are we listening to? That's right. Today we are talking about the Peace Train the peace of 1971. Tra- Correct. The 1971 Peace Train by, uh, as he was known at the time, Cat Stevens. Uh, from his album Teaser and the Firecat, it was um, it got to number seven in the top one hundred. It was his first day. top ten hit in the US. Wow! I was reading go. today, yeah. and um, I'm really happy that we picked this because it meant that I this afternoon just listened to all of Teaser and the Firecat, which oh, is good. a great album. Love that. Lo- love love that for you so much. I wish I got to do that. Um, so <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I know <laughs> your job is much more flexible than mine. Um, Maybe we should start with just a broader conversation about Cat Stevens because I, I think he's worth um, focusing on a little bit because I think as much as Peace Train is a song about religion and has, has a lot of religious elements in there, um, I think almost more than more than most artists I know, I think Cat Stevens may have the most pop songs about religion or certainly uh, has as kind of the most religiously affiliated life of, of many pop stars that, that we are aware of. Well, which is a weird thing, right? Because actually, like his his big turn to religion turned him off music completely. So in nineteen seventy something, um, he converted to Islam. Jamal's probably got the details in front of him I, with an well, article. So have you have you do you know like the actual the details of the story about how that happened? Only from the article that you sent during the week. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is from a Rolling Stone article, by the way. But yes, essentially, um, so. I mean, to, to backtrack a little bit, I mean, Cat Stevens was your prototypical British pop star, right? He he had, uh, you know... He'd lived down the road from the Beatles producer. And yeah, and, and, and you, know, was, you know, he never fully jumped in on the on the, the rock and roll lifestyle, but yeah, and he, he'd always had levels of kind of religious, um, 
I guess religious feelings, uh, but like as he says himself, you know, he he'd never really focused on religion. He's like he had, his life had been good; he hadn't needed to, and it was very much, uh, you know, he probably believed in God, but was you know not particularly here or there about it. Yeah, you know, this is around the time that um, John Lennon's writing Imagine and this kind of thing. Like, there's there's kind of religion in the air because that's just Britain in the fifties and sixties. You couldn't avoid it, but yeah. The Christian affiliation, not so much. Yeah, and so um, so then in 1976, however, um, Cat Stevens went for a swim uh, out in Malibu in, in the US, um, and essentially he almost drowned. He, he tried to swim to shore. He, he couldn't swim back. The current was too strong, and, and he was effectively on the verge of drowning, and so he, he put out a prayer. Uh, and, you know, he, he, says, he says he'd never doubted God's existence before this, but he'd never really called on him. Uh, and so this was kind of a life or death situation. Um, Cat Stevens pledged his complete and utter allegiance to God if if he'd be saved. Um, and then suddenly a wave pushes him back to shore. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you would say that's a divine intervention sure. in that situation. I'm happy to claim it. Yeah, cool. Um, and so then afterwards um, he comes across the Quran. And, yeah, this was, this was in the 70s. This was before, you know, the war in the Middle East in the 90s. This is before, uh, you know, a lot of the, the kind of – the social understandings of Islam that we might carry today uh, existed. It's actually in a really interesting time for Islam because it's happening at the same time as the movement in the US um, amongst black people. Uh, is it Black Nation? Was that the, uh, the, the na- of Nation of Islam? Nation of Islam. Yeah, with the Black Panthers. That's the one, which is kind of a, a spin-off from the the civil rights movement. Yeah, with the Black Panthers and Malcolm X and and those guys. Like, there's this this big groundswell of um, the idea of Islam as a, a sort of freeing non-Western religion. Absolutely, um, yeah. Um, so he, so Cat Stevens gets a copy of the Quran, um, and within two years of that, he he had become a Muslim. Uh, so he changed his name to Yusuf Islam, uh, devoted himself to Allah, and uh, as you said, right, effectively decided all forms of music were against were against his faith. Yeah, were haram. Yeah. yeah. So walks away from, from his record contract. Uh, he even gives up all royalties that he's getting from any song that he deems not to be in line. So that, yeah, any song that Which, you know, he's connected with or, the, the sort of hippie movement, folksy, Bob Dylan-y scene of the early 70s. So there's a few things like that of, you know, sex outside of marriage. All yeah. of a sudden he... He has a big problem of how could I have promoted this in my music? For sure. And and I think um, there's – I think I found somewhere there's like 40% of his catalogue. He just goes, no, nah, can't take yep. any money from that. Um, and pretty much doesn't, doesn't play music for the next 20 years. And I think on that note, I want to go back to Peace Train because Peace Train is one of his early – his early life song. So it, it's it's from the Cat Stevens era of his life rather than the Yusuf Islam era of his life. So Peace Train to me is, I mean, it's a brilliant song, but it, it has all of those religious undertones without without kind of hitting you in the face with it, which I think Cat Stevens does really well on, on a lot of fronts. And, and I guess I have this question around the, the Cat Stevens early catalogue of, how much can we connect that with Yusuf um, as as he became, and do we do we draw a straight line saying that his thinking around religion is connected to his turn to Islam, which also involves a complete turn away from music, as you were saying, and 
how it raises a question for me of how much do we respect an artist's wish to be disassociated from some of their music in, in a way that he does with 40% of his catalogue. Uh, and, and the music that he brings out in the 2000s, 2010s, when he returns to the scene, it has connections, but he takes things in quite a different direction. Yeah, and I think... Um, so, I mean, I, I think if Yusuf was still living the life where he wasn't engaging with his music and mm. wasn't gigging and wasn't doing that, I think I would be, would be much more inclined to say, okay, we should probably respect his wishes on that and, and not really engage with his music, in at least in, in that way. Um, but I think, you know, as we'll get to later, I think, I think he is very aware and okay with and comfortable with his music being something that people have you know, that they can enjoy, that they can, uh, you know, kind of gain, uh, you know, you know, uh, gain happiness from, but also can use as a, as a way into thinking about religion and as a way into thinking about the messages behind it. And I think that th- this song is actually a really good example of that uh, because he cited this a few times as a song that he kind of sees as a gift to the world, particularly now as a... Muslim post 9-11, post Iraq and Afghanistan and, and now ISIS, to for him to be able to be a voice for peace from that community and, and to share this message particularly, which is a, a song from five, seven years before he actually came to the Islamic faith. Well, and I think that was one of the most interesting things to me reading about him in this is that, you know, he really, he, he effectively came back into music right after 9-11, mm. uh, you know, on the on the insistence of his of his kids. Um, and his motivation for it was effectively to be a a very public image of a peaceful Muslim, right? He was mm. aware that there was a lot of hatred uh, directed towards Islam, a lot of negative, um, you know, negative press, negative um, focus, particularly from the West. And what he wanted to show with returning to the music scene was like, hey, it's not all like that. You know, not every Muslim is Osama bin Laden. Not every Muslim is the Taliban. Um, You know, Islam is a religion of predominantly peace. And, you know, I can be a kind of an an image of that for people whilst they are grappling with a really negative public image of of Islam in general. And that's probably as good a spot as any to jump into the song a little bit because I, I'd like to pick up his return to music. We'll, we'll listen to the first verse and then, yeah, pick up as he came back to music. I've been happy lately, thinking about the good things to come And I believe it could be something good has begun Oh, I've been smiling lately, dreaming about the world at one and I just wanted to pick up on the, the opening lyric. I've been happy lately thinking about the good things to come. And that this comes from a man who then disowns music for 20, 25 years. Because his, his description of picking up a guitar, having sold all his guitars and you know avoided it for all those years, that one evening he just picks up a guitar and goes, well, can I find F and does? And he says, I don't remember what I played that night, but I remember just weeping as I was 
playing. And and we've talked previously about the the joy and the, the way that music connects with us emotionally. And there's something about this song for me that like it, it's one thing to say, like, you know, give peace a chance or, you know, I've I've been dreaming about peace. Um but to to actually to have that music around it and that emotion around it, it makes me wonder for him, like how how did he connect with that side of himself in that that whole time to to re-experience that joy? Yeah, I think that's th- th- that's interesting, right? Because I I think I I don't read this first verse as inherently being connected to music at all, right? Like it's being performed through a musical lens, sure. But but he's he's talking about you know, a, a peaceful world. He's talking about kind of, you know, if we want to go there, kind of God's image of the world. Yeah. Um, it's very John Lennon Imagine, right? Yes, but I I think there's something in that where I, th- I think to me a big difference here is John Lennon, John Lennon is, is asking people to imagine what it would be like. Yusuf is saying he sees it and it's there. Mm. It, it it's 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 prophetic rather than wishful Mm. you know and i think that's a really important difference and i think to your point about how he's you know how giving up music impacts him and whatever else i i i think there's a sense in which it's i i don't know how to describe it but but i think there's a set there's a sense in which you know this song in particular but i think a lot of cat stevens early music really almost lends itself to this idea that there is something bigger than music yeah you know like i i think a lot of those kind of kind of folky uh, pop artists of the 70s really lent into, you know, music is everything. Music is the way that we're going to do this, right? I mean... Music can change the world, right? Yeah, like right, the, yeah. right. Yeah, exactly right. Like, you know, I mean, literally, um, what was it? Was it was it Band-Aid or, or Feed the World? The Those, yeah. you know, all those like 80s, yes. you know, like, you know, songs that are like, oh, we're going to save the world through music. I, I don't think Yusuf ever has that conceit. There's that messianic, messianic yeah. kind of thing going on, which, yeah, you're right, he doesn't yeah, buy and, into. And I think to me, this actually points to the fact that he is able to give up music and go, you know mm. what? There, you know, essentially in his case, Allah is bigger than music. I don't need music because I have the love of God, because I have the love of Allah. And it's like, yeah, to me, that's a really nice link in with this song around going, you know, I, you know, it's this whole like, with a specific thing, right? It's like, you know, Oh, that's right. I've been smiling lately, dreaming about the world as one, and I believe it could be someday it's going to come. Mm. Right? Like it, it, it's, it's happening. It, it, it's, it's definitive, and it doesn't need anything to happen in order to get there. Absolutely, and I, I think the, the thing for me that particularly hits what you're talking about is that it's not, it's not. There's no sense here of we need to make this happen. Mm. Um, and I think that's reflected actually a bit in the style of music, right? Like it, just to run the comparison with Imagine, seeing as we're mm-hmm. doing that, not my fault. Um, but like Imagine is a ballad, right? And it's a hopeful ballad, but it's about like this is just fun and groovy and it it is just optimistic in the the way that the music is operating. It's upbeat, it's energetic, it's still folksy, but there's there's not really a sense of sadness so in the music so speaking of musical style i have a i have a point that i want to make and so can you play in from pretty much where we finished into the next verse so into the chorus into that first mm-hmm. peace train chorus 
So the point that I find so unique about this song and so clever about this song is at no point does he have to say that this is about God, right? Mm. He yep. does. He doesn't. There is no lyric in this song that says, "Oh, this is about God," and actually, yeah, um, you know, the Lord's going to come down and 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 bring us all in the peace train. He says it through the music, right? So if you hear that, cause out on the edge of darkness, where where the gospel choir is just there and they're yep. just saying "cause out" with him, and then when you get further in, you know. You, you get the claps, you get the peace train sounding bits, right? And like all of that, when you get the gospel choir bring in, it it does that for him. You know, it, this song is so clearly about God without needing to say it because musically he's he's bringing that theme in through the gospel. That's the bit you're talking about, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, it's got all of those connotations with the style of the music and the kind of choir that he's got sitting behind him. Yeah, it's glide on the peace train, everyone jump on the peace train, and when, when, when the gospel choir hits in and when all of that's kind of musically doing its thing, the message suddenly is crystallized without him needing to do literally anything other than a production trick in the studio. And which is just a, a great observation because I'm, I'd am i be really interested to know, and I, I don't know if he's interviewed about this specifically. If he has, I've not found it, but um, just how conscious he is of God as he's writing mm-hmm. this song. Uh, because we can look at it and go, well, like, yeah, this is, you know, God's going to bring the good things to come. Right, and and I've got no doubt that as a Muslim, this is how he looks back on the song now. But how much of that was in his mind as he was writing it, or how much does he just have this vision of the the peace that's out there? And I, I really like that lyric, that um, or, or the the location of the peace train, mm. out on the edge of darkness, there rides the peace train, like it, it's it's coming and you can see it and you know it's there, but it's also like located proximately to the darkness. Mm. Um, you, you could stretch it and say that the peace train is kind of a, a light shining in the darkness, but it's not, it's not coming to us from utopia. It's, it's coming, you know, it, it's in the darkness. Well, and, and also even the following words, oh, peace train, take this country, come take me home mm. again. It's coming from the darkness, from the negativity of the world. And it's, moving through the place where you already are right mm. it, it it's it's take this country where i am take me home to you know to kind of this this kind of centered place and yeah it, it's it's not it's not taking you away from anything it's bringing you into something which i find really really amazing and and we get this great sense of it here which is probably the most overtly religious part of the lyric So I'd like to revise my earlier comment as to how conscious of it, was he of God as he was writing this because you don't I don't think you write peace train holy roller if you're not thinking about the divine being involved in that somehow some some form of holiness. Yeah, for sure. I also want to point out to it again this is more musical tricks he's playing. Mm. He's backing off on that line. Peace train holy roller he's stripped it right back to a a kind of what a it's a guitar lick. Yep. and him harmonising with his own voice, yep. right? 
and he's taken the gospel choir away he's taken the drums away he's taken everything back and it's just that is the that is the most stripped back pop line of the song mm. right and so it's almost like this thing where there's this this swell and this group sound and this big oomph behind the, everything else and then suddenly he's just softly going peace train holy roller right mm. like there, there's just that that little line there and i think him taking it away and him taking away all of the other stuff other than just him and the guitar it makes it really personal right it, it makes it this this is a thing that is that is just me and i can understand it and yeah th- th- there's a layer to that that i find really fascinating and it's almost like when he, it's almost like he's realized I'm being a little too explicit on this line, so I need to take away all of the other cues yeah. that I was doing to make things obvious, and he's, he's backed off it, and I really like that. And there, there's another bit that kind of is doing the opposite of that. I'll see if I can play it now. The, the, the kind of biggest moment of the gospel mm-hmm. choir coming around is... Almost that ooh ah yow, uh, which isn't actually words, mm. um, which is is conveying that sense. But also, I, maybe I'm overanalyzing here, but this sense that kind of what he's describing and what he's pointing at is beyond description mm. in some in some way as well. Mm. So I, I, I skipped ahead a little bit to probably the the kind of the the narrative turn of the song which is the verse where he says now i've been crying lately thinking about the world as mm. it is why must we go on hating why can't we live in bliss now i've been crying lately thinking about the world as it is why must we go on hating why can't we live in bliss did you catch that chord at the end of thinking about the world as it is that that discord on the guitar for a moment there i absolutely did and i also caught the fact that he deliberately goes very out of time yeah so so he 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 unsinks himself he he suddenly drops his timing he drops the the standard four four beat that he's got going on and and he and he almost deliberately just like it's almost like that thing where he's just like thrown away his pick and lost something or like, you know, Mm. there's a real clear... Brokenness, a dissonance. Yeah, it's dissonance in the chords and a dissonance in the timing that he's doing. Um, You know, to kind of indicate how that that brokenness of the world and 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 all of that 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 he's alluding to there. And also just that like, that I've been crying lately he's backed off and then... Suddenly he's hitting it hard, and there's there's this there's this big contrast, and it seems confused, and it feels it feels like it doesn't know what it's doing there, which is mm. which is again exactly the point, right? Yeah, and, and the to to tie in a bit to the the optimism of the song, I guess, but also the, the like just the the question of of why can't we live in bliss is just that that, that is so clearly a possibility, and but all, but all you've got to do to do it is to get on the mm. peace train. It, it's almost so like, like, guys, why, why aren't you on the peace train? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, I, I, it's interesting that, that there is this moment of reflection where he's going, you know, yeah, the, the world is a bit messed up, right? That the things aren't, things aren't great, which, which, you know, again, I, I like how he doubles back and 
after this is immediately because out on the edge of darkness there rise the peace train again right? yeah, so like, that's the answer to yeah the the desire to live in bliss yeah mm. and, and i also like that he doesn't start with it right it could be very easy to start with that verse like mm. a, a, a narrative arc that would also make sense is start with that negative verse and then build into oh hold on actually things are okay and they're going to be happy but instead he starts I'm really happy. I can see this coming. This is great. The peace train's here. How amazing. He has another verse. I've been smiling lately. Like, so he doubles down on it, right? He mm. has a second verse saying, wow, all these good things are coming. And then he's like, oh, wait, but hold on. The world's kind of messed up. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Like, you know, like, and, and that's implied early on, right? Because the peace train is riding out on the edge of darkness, right? Mm. Like, so, so we get the hint that, you know, where, where there is darkness, but that's not where the emphasis is as he begins. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I an, another line in there that I, I'm, just, I'm just jumping around the song now. But there, there's a there's a line in the middle, um, in the verse that starts "Go get your bags together," where where he goes, um, because it's getting nearer, it soon will be with you. Now come and join the living. I find yeah. that's a really interesting term because again, lots of times people talk about religion is associated with dying, religion is associated with heaven, all these post life things. He's kind of he's saying no the the joys of God, the joys of the peace train are mm. here in life. It's not in kind of this after moment or this kind of, you know, it's that you're not part of the living if you're not part of the peace train, right? <laughs> yeah. That like yeah. you're, you're not really living a life if you're not part of the peace train, so, so jump on. And that is like, that is such a deeply Christian idea. It may be a deeply Islamic idea as well. I'm not sure. Well, I, I do but, suspect at this time in his life, he's probably got a more Christian conception of God than an Islamic conception of God, right? He's he's oh, British. probably. I'm ju- I'm just not wanting to kind of rule out that that a Muslim yeah. person might agree with me yeah, yeah. on this, right? But but which is that like you know true life, what Jesus calls eternal life, like it is it is now not just on the future, like that, which is something that's kind of happening in the song, right? Is like, well, the peace train is an option now. Like, which is the the why don't you get on board? Because it's not a get on board because then you're going to reach the destination in the peace train and everything's like the the train itself is the peace mm. kind of in the in the song. It's it's not it's not going to peace land somewhere. It's not rescuing you and taking you out of the darkness. It's actually the the peace train again to push the metaphor is is kind of dispelling the darkness. Yeah, as it travels through. Yeah, and and yeah, I, I find that. So here's a question. It actually. brings peace. It doesn't take you to peace. Yeah. Mm. As the as the token Judah Christian in the room, <laughs> um, like, do you, what do you think he thought about this song after becoming a Muslim? Right. So because I think there's an you know to me. This, so you're asking me as a token Judeo Christian well, what I, I think I, he I, thinks I is a Muslim. I'm you, just getting my head around the question. You've yeah. got a better concept of how Muslims think of God than I do. Um, but like, don't know about that. I I think there's an interesting, you know, this is this is obviously clearly a song about God, but also, to me, it's clearly a Christian song, right? Mm. Like I, I I well, at least it's a song grounded in a Christian concept of God, and yeah, I I just wonder whether he had second thoughts about this, or whether he thought this was blasphemous, or like you know, like from what you know about Islam, or from what you know about like the kind of the concept of God there, like, you know, is this broad enough for him to be comfortable with it as a Muslim or is there, is there something off on this there? I think his career suggests that it's broad enough for something that, that he can be comfortable with. 
And I, I say that because he performed it um, at the Nas- New Zealand National Remembrance Service for the victims of the Christchurch mosque shooting. Yeah, right. So he um, played that? He played that uh, in, in Hagley Park in New Zealand. Uh, and he recorded it in 2021 with Playing for Change, so 25 musicians from 12 countries, like as a sort of a peace anthem kind of recording. So that was just a couple of years ago. So it, it's one of the songs from his early days that he's still performing, like that he's re-recorded, that, that he clearly thought had something to say after the Christchurch mm. mosque shooting back in 2019. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I So, yeah, I mean, now's probably a good time to go to his later career. But, like, I... Um, just before we go there, on, yeah. on this specific song, something I discovered doing... I did some research for this oh. podcast episode. I know, I know. It's not a um, lot. And this song was on the band list of, I think it was Clearview now, iHeartRadio, that owns a bunch yeah. of um, radio stations in the US. After 9-11, they put on a, like a, a big list of songs that they recommended their stations not play. Like for obvious reasons, something like Benny and the Jets, they yeah. went, yeah, nah, not going to do that. Um, all of Rage Against the Machine's catalogue, we're not going to play that at this moment. And this song was one of the songs on that list of songs that we're not going to play in the media aftermath of 9-11. Did they say why? No, not for this one particularly. And there's been all sorts of conjecture and stuff about the list. Uh, there, there were quite a few kind of peace anthems on there. And I just find that really interesting that that's, that's the kind of thing in actually a moment where you would hope there's some call for peace and unity and, you know... Y- you'd hope to see some kind of forgiveness or something oh, I mean, that these kind of songs would be the ones you go, we're not going to play that because it might be triggering for people. Like I mean, I'm guessing that was their reasoning. No, I, I, I'm going to be more cynical than that, not not to take this podcast too political today, but I don't think it was in the vested interest of the US government to promote peace at that point in time. I think they were very happy to promote a uh, you know nationalistic uh, pro-war sentiment amongst the population well and to be fair the u.s government didn't need to push very hard for that at the time no you, you just yeah. you just keep you keep the 70s hippie peace songs off the radio and you're <laughs> probably all right for that yeah um but anyway i um so so to go to go to yusuf's later career yeah I, so i i think you're right about peace train i think he does probably still connect with this song i i will say he is also quite fine with and kind of quite open about acquiescing to fans in his later career so you know he's come out now or at least more open to it yeah yeah so he's come out now with a bunch of new albums he's come out with um so initially i i heard was listening to his new album uh which is called king of a land and there's a song on there called um pagan run which if you haven't heard you should absolutely listen to but um i thought about trying to bring in pagan run on the podcast Mm. because it is to my read, very autobiographical about his conversion. Um, but then I went, oh, wait, no one knows this song yet, so it's probably not the best song. So go and listen to it, and then we yeah. can record a podcast on it later. <laughs> hey, I, I'm just going to admit here, if it's not already clear, Cat Stevens is one of my favourite artists in the world. Um, and, like, you know, you have those moments where, like, there's a moment in your life or there's a moment, like, that is seared in your memory that is associated with a song or associated, yep. yeah so i was in south america when i was 19 years old backpacking around and i had downloaded all the music on someone else's ipod because they had <laughs> ipods back then um and you know an I, ipod for our generation z 
listeners was this thing that we had before you had smartphones yes. that you would put MP3s on. It was a precursor to an iPhone. And, and for the boomers who listen to this, it's like a modern digital version <laughs> of a Walkman. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, um, and, and I had T for the Tillerman as, as a whole album there. And, um, and I remember being on a bus in Peru, you know, driving uh, on the side of this gorgeous canyon and um, uh, which, which one was it? It wasn't Where Do the Children Play. It was um, On the Road to Find Out. Thank you. It was On the Road to Find Out, which is like the anthem for backpacking through <laughs> whatever you wherever you want to be. And a condor flies past the window. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just this moment that is just like, it just it encapsulates travel for me in that kind of way. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Uh, are we going to say something if we're talking about Yusuf's kind of later career about Salman Rushdie? Oh uh, yes, please talk about Salman Rushdie. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you might know more than me oh, on I, this. I don't know. I don't know more. So, I, I mean, so I, have, the, I have read Salman Rushdie. I've read the book in question, but I yeah. So the book in question, which was um, the Satanic Verses. Yeah, that's right. So that put Salman Rushdie on a. A fatwa list, I think, from Ayatollah Khomeini in in Kaman, Iran, uh, at the time, and uh, so Yusuf said um, at, at Kingston University that Rushdie must be killed. The Quran makes it clear: if someone defames a prophet, he must die. And he he walked those comments back a little bit later, apparently. Um, but as as you can imagine, this didn't win him many fans particularly in the music industry and the the kind of hippie bob dylan-esque music industry which was his world which tends to lean a bit left and progressive and not be big fans of killing people over over free speech and and so that's just been a bit of an issue that's kind of blown up um around his career from time to time i I, i'm not sure kind of whether there's much to make of that but it it feels like that's something that ought to be mentioned um, as, as we discuss him. It actually kind of ties in with what you were saying about how he's embraced his fans and the, the Cat Stevens branding a little bit and this kind of thing in, in more recent years um, because he's, he says the quote at the end of this article that you shared, that the, the link will be with the podcast, is when you've been running for so long, you might realise you've run too far. There comes a time to say, hang on, I've lost my way a little bit. Um, and almost the return of music is is part of that for him, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that thing with his fans, which I, I didn't quite get to because I got sidetracked by my travel story, <laughs> um, was, is just very much this thing of like he he has his new albums and he has his songs now that I think are probably you know I think they're still very they're very very similar in type and he you know, he has he has a brand and he knows what he's doing as a songwriter. But he also does play his classics, and he plays his yep. classics even if they are slightly haram or even if they are slightly off. And you know, um, I mean, one of the things I love about Cat Stevens is that he's one of the only artists that just doesn't buy into that every song has to be a love song thing. Yeah, like there's a heap of songs even pre Yusuf Islam where got nothing to do with love, got nothing to do, you know, got to so do with self discovery. And when yeah. he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He played father and son. Mm. That was uh, and and the, you know the crowd went nuts because they'd forgotten he existed because he <laughs> hadn't played music for however long. And so I watched that during the week and just watching that recording with where he is now, kind of forty years, fifty years after he wrote and recorded that song, like it, it's almost 
prophetic mm. in the it's it's a now autobiographical sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. yeah. Find a girl, settle down if you want, you can marry, which is the very thing that the son in the song is kind of rebelling against, but then um, he becomes a kind of fairly strict adherent to Islam, which is absolutely on the yeah, find yeah. a girl, settle down, get married front. Like it was just really interesting seeing that and see like just seeing him in the father role, whereas of course younger Cat Stevens was in more more in the son role in that in that dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually that rock and roll hall of fame thing reminds me of the time a Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar. Um and and they were in the bar um with with Nasrud. Oh, Nasruddin. Nasruddin was there. Excellent. Um, and, and Nas- Is he a Cat Stevens fan? He would be. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Nasruddin was such a Cat Stevens fan. So he'd just been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert. Yep. Nasruddin yep. was was rocking out there. Loved it. Um, and he'd come back and he'd be like, love Cat Stevens. Just like, just Cat Stevens is my guy. Right. And so Nasruddin goes, all right, people, I'm making a Cat Stevens cover album. Mm. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. Like, yeah, yeah. how, how are you going to do that? And it's like, oh, it's a do it Yusuf project. Hey, is that, is that original? Did you make that? No, I found that. <laughs> really? Someone, someone's made that joke on the interwebs? Yeah, yeah well done. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a question kind of as, as we wind up. We've talked a bit about the sort of the Christian influences on this song and um, you know, Yusuf Islam's is Islam and, and how that plays into things. I want to play you a bit of the song. We've talked about this already, but I'll play it again for you. And I'm wondering... As a Buddhist, kind of how do you respond to this and, and what do you take out from lyrics like this? And so if there is that sense of he's being prophetic and he's pointing to this, you know, the peace train that's coming, from a Buddhist perspective, like, can you can you get on board that train? And, and what does that look like? How does that play out in, in Buddhism if it's, if it's a possibility? Oh, I mean, peace train could be enlightenment. Um, you know, peace train could See, be... But the kind of like the way he's singing about it here, that, like it doesn't quite... Strike. Oh, sorry. Maybe it's enlightenment, not nirvana. Yeah, I mean, like, so I mean, I think probably the bit that is a little un-Buddhist is that it's a thing that happens to you. It's not something you do. Mm. So See, that's really Christian. Yeah, right? so like, yeah. because it's a train, you you get on the train, and then once you're on the train, you're there, and there, there's not so much a you know. It, I think a lot of his other songs are much much more Buddhist, right? So like you know, I, I said talked before about like on the road to find out right mm. on the road to find out is is wholly buddhist it's, it's i went out into the world and i explored things and i, I learned a lot of things and I, I i you know i think even in that in even in that song he's got a he kind of culminates with that with you know the answer lies within uh so why not take a look now kick out the devil's in and pick up the good book now and even in that explicitly christian thing i think yep. that's a much much more buddhist song yep um because it's a process. It's the journey. It's all that. So yeah, I think. And, and this is like kind of technically, this is eschatological. This song, right? Like it's um, so like you know, end times. It's paradise, and, and it's breaking in and coming here now. But it's yeah. Yeah. So 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 yeah. Doesn't have I, that self discovery aspect. I take your point yeah. that I think the that there, there's almost an un-Buddhist aspect to it being so. 
passive. But is there something as a Buddhist that you can kind of take on from it or that it speaks to? Um, yeah, all? I mean, absolutely, right? Because like, because I, I think... So I it's interesting, right? And I, th- I think this goes into an interesting kind of Buddhist theology where it's like it's... I think in Buddhism, it is both you have to do it yourself, but also you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that you know, there is... I've spoken before about like the the kind of almost advanced meditation, which is just sit there and observe and suddenly that observation will become wisdom, mm. you know? Um, so I think there is a thing here where it's, you know, if you just get your bags together and get good people around you and wait, the peace train will come. <laughs> you know, that's yep. all you've got to do. Yep. You, you, you've got to surround yourself with good people. You've got to prepare yourself appropriately for it. And then peace will just be here, and you and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to be driving so hard at it. You don't have to be running towards it. You don't have to be, you know, mm. um, you know, you, you don't have to be trying to haul the train up the hill. It, it's gonna, it's just gonna arrive if you're patient enough. And so I think there is that Buddhist layer there, which is probably not kind of a a surface level read of Buddhism, but when you get into it, really does. It, it does uh, manifest through through the teachings. Yeah, I can kind of, I can see that mm. that that enlightenment comes to you, not you to it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, and look, on that note, I think we will have to call it to a stop. Even though I would personally like to talk about Cat Stevens, uh, Yusuf, for the next two hours, I feel like. Uh, oh, maybe we should start a spin-off Cat Stevens podcast, and we can go through his entire catalog because um, that is a thing that uh, I want to hear, but I'm sure no one else wants to hear. If you do want to hear that, you can get in touch with us at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com and support the spin-off podcast. That one we will take money for, but this one yeah, is not going to happen. Um, speaking of musicians that are not quite as good as Cat Stevens, sorry, Kevin. Uh, Kevin McLeod <laughs> provides the music for this podcast. He certainly does. Um, we'd love it if you shared a podcast with a friend, if you've got someone in your life who likes Cat Stevens and theology. Yeah. Um, also, listen to his entire back catalogue because it's great, particularly Jesus from Buddha in the Chocolate Box. That's hilarious and very much about this podcast. One, two, one, two, three. Get up on the peace train with me. <laughs>